The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And today, it's all about a man who was the epitome of rock and roll, a man who embodied the rock and roll spirit. Talking about the life and times of my good bud, uh, my brother, Vinnie Paul, drummer from Pantera, Damage Plan, Hell Yeah, Rebel Meets Rebel, who passed away uh, a few weeks ago at his home in Las Vegas at 54 years old, man. Um, such a good guy, a good dude. Uh, one of those guys that's universally loved by the entire musical community and fans alike. And I wanted to get together with a couple of my close friends and a couple of Vinny's friends, uh, Charlie Benanti from Anthrax. He has been here uh, many, many times before, as you guys know. Uh, one of the Fab Three has been here talking about the Beatles and all that sort of stuff. Charlie's a very, very dear friend of mine. And I asked uh, him who would be a good third, and he came up with the idea of Chris Adler from Lamb of God, he also played on Megadeth's Dystopia record, another drummer. Both knew Vinnie Paul very well. Anthrax toured with Vinnie and Pantera back uh, in the 90s. And Chris and uh, Lamb of God shared some dates with Hell Yeah over the years. But all of us shared some great times and good experiences and a lot of fun with Vinnie Paul. Uh, lots of good stuff, tributes and stories. Hearing from the rock community uh, that people are just talking so positively about him. They're all true. Uh, one of the nicest, friendliest guys I've ever met. Always made sure people were comfortable and having a great time. And he loved to entertain. Always opened his house up to all of us. And was always supporting whenever our bands came to town or any bands that he liked in Las Vegas or Dallas where he lived. First time I met Vinnie Paul is when I was doing uh, the very first Golden Gods Awards that I hosted with Josh Bernstein, who's also been on this show before. And um, I was doing a, a bit in the Rainbow where I was working there and uh, all of these luminaries were there getting ready to be served. Lemmy, uh, Dave Mustaine, Chuck Billy from Testament. And my boss, played by Vinnie Paul, was yelling at me. He was the uh, chef as well. I'll never forget he was wearing, uh, uh, he was, uh, it said that his specialty was the art of shredding chicken. Right, now get back to work. I need a whole lot more rocking and a whole lot less talking. You understand me? Yes. 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 I can't hear you! Hell yeah! Now I got a table full of long hairs out there that's starving. Get out there and make some money! Uh, but it was just a guy that I met and right off the bat shared uh, really kindred spiritship. I think he respected the fact that I was a rock and roll guy, also known for being uh, a, a wrestler as well. 
And one of the first times I hung out with Vinny, I remember we had a show in Tyler, Texas with the WWE. And he said, I'll come to Tyler and then, uh, you know, I'll get me some tickets. Then we'll, and then I'll get, you can take a ride back with me and my limo and we can hang out. And his limo was a limo that he actually owned. Like he actually bought this limo. So he um, asked me for some tickets. And usually when people come to a show, they'll ask you, they'll ask you for two tickets or, or four tickets or something on those lines. Like how many tickets do you need? And he's like, I need 16 tickets. Uh, Cause he had that many friends and people coming with him. And it wasn't like an entourage sort of thing. It was just like friends. He just had a lot of friends. They like hanging out with them. And then we go to get in his limousine to go back to uh, Dallas. And it's this old, it's not like a black sleek limousine. It's an old blue, like Chevrolet limousine from like, I don't know, 1978. And the inside, all these Christmas lights strung up and lava lamps and this super loud ass speaker system that we were just rocking out to Boston and journey. Cause Vinny liked those type of tunes as well. So you're going to hear all these stories coming up with uh, Charlie and Chris and myself and all three of us were at Vinny's Memorial this weekend. Uh, it was really cool. I missed the actual funeral on the Saturday cause I was working. I got there Saturday night. We went to a uh, dimes house. Uh, his uh, dimes girl Rita still has the same house and it's very tricked out and a lot of fun. Then I uh, went to Vinny's house for a bit and then um went to the memorial on sunday at a place called the bomb factory and it was really all um the stage was all filled with uh, lots of flowers and one of vinnie's kits and a stand-up kind of cut out of him so they had a bunch of people speak i spoke jose mangan another talk is jericho alumni was there nick bocott ex-crim reaper uh did a lot of work with diamond vinnie over the years with marshall uh guitars and amplifiers and um then Charlie spoke. Charlie actually played Vinny's kit. Chris Adler spoke. Uh, a lot of people sent in videos. Ozzy, Kid Rock, Carrot Top, Corey Taylor, guys in Alice in Chains. Um, you know, just one of those guys, like so many Steel Panther guys. So it was, it was a tough day. It was a nice memorial to him, but it's hard to believe that he's not around anymore. But he lived his life to the fullest. He was a great guy, a great drummer, and such a hospitable, friendly, friendly, legit good person. Uh, and after losing Dime in 2004, Vinny, uh, like I said, channeled that and, and, and lived his each day to the fullest. And even though he's gone now, uh, we're never going to forget Vinny Paul. Great drummer, great person, great friend, and a great brother. So you're going to feel uh, what Charlie and Chris thought about him, much along the same lines as what I thought about him, which is all good stuff. So here's to Vinny Paul. One, two, barbecue. Kicking it up right now. Strength beyond strength. The life and times of Vinny Paul on Talk is Jericho. Starting now. Cut. That was great, guys. My hair look Perfect. good? Perfect. Yeah? Okay, good. Hey, kid, why don't you go fetch me a Coke? All right? Here's five bucks. Get yourself something nice. Sure, Alice. Whatever you want. That's Mr. Cooper. Who was that douchebag? That, my friend, your host of the 2012 Revolver Golden Gods. Hell yeah! Oh, God help us all. All right, so we got Charlie and uh, and and Chris here. Um, I wanted to get you guys on the phone. I appreciate you doing this. I think uh, Chris, I believe we met each other briefly on stage once as you were about ready to go on stage with 
Lamb of God, but it's cool to talk to you face to face. Um, or you did? Phone to phone. I'll yeah. It forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's been a, a rough week for us, uh, for the whole community, uh, with, with the loss and the sudden passing of, of, of Vinnie Paul. And uh, I wanted to talk to some of his friends, and Charlie and I uh, were um, discussing it, and he brought up your name, Chris. So where do we even start with all this, Charlie? You want to just jump in here, or how did you find out? What, what are you thinking? Um, I got a call, and uh, it was from a, a close friend, and told me what happened, and I was completely just, like, beside myself. And, of course, they said, please don't say nothing, you know? Right. And... Um, I was just devastated, dude, because, you know, when Vinny, when Daryl passed away, it was the same type of thing. It was a shock. I never expected this. Um, and, you know, we've all dealt with death in our lives with family or other friends. And when it happens, it brings up those emotions again. And, um, I mean, the two of them, the two brothers have, have left such a, a mark on not only people they knew, but people that they didn't know. You know, we're talking Pantera reaching people everywhere. It made such a mark on music, influenced so many people. And I think people are so much better for knowing them. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's one of those things where, where you know, when, when you hear about this, everybody everybody's talking how much of a great guy Vinny was. And obviously, uh, you know, such an icon in, in the world of metal along with Daryl. But it's one of those things where, where there's not one person saying, well, that Vinny Paul, you know, geez, what a jerk he was. Everybody loved the guy. And that, to me, is one of the reasons why it just bums me out even worse. Like you said, yes, we have experienced death. All of us have at different levels. But this one hurt because it's it's, you know, he was one of the good guys. At least that's the way I felt about him. And I feel I'm a pretty good judge of character. And he was one of the really, really good-hearted guys out there in the world of rock and roll that we've met over the years. Would you agree with Very that, Chris? Generous. Very yeah, generous. generous. Yeah, generous. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Beyond that, I really feel like you know he, is, he and his brothers kind of set the standard for what the good guy model is. And sadly, uh, I don't obviously know everyone everywhere, but I feel like he may have been the last good guy. Mm. Not to say that you're not a good guy or Charlie's not a good guy, but in in the way that we're all self-conscious about uh, what we do and, you know, we're tied up in our daily activities and, you know, worried about what it is we have going on. Both Vinny and Dime, in, in how I knew them, would go out of their way to make you feel comfortable, to be present outside of their own troubles or, or daily stuff and mm. it was it's unheard of I, I don't know anyone like that i mean i hang out with charlie all the time on the tour that we're doing and i plan to uh, on the next tour that we're doing we get along great but Vinny had a way of and dime did as well of, of making a room of people strangers even uh feel like they were his best friend and I, i've never met anyone like either of them you know it's interesting that you say that chris because i never got to meet dime I, he, he, I just never crossed past him. I didn't even meet Vinny until about 2010, but got pretty tight with him in that time frame. And like you said, the thing that was that that he did that no one else that I know does is he's one. He's the guy that you'd go for the party, whether it's Vegas or Dallas or wherever you might be on the road. Then you would do the party. Then when everyone else is ready to just be done, 
he would continue, not by continuing to drink or anything bad, but by cooking food. You know, right. he'd start cooking breakfast. And then it was like the second round of the Vinnie Paul hospitality where not only did you have this entire great party and great time, but then he would insist on making breakfast. And I'm not just talking about a couple of eggs and a bacon. It would be a full-on spread for 20 people of like these special scrambled eggs and the sausage you would make and the pancakes and all this different stuff. And it wasn't, it was just him doing what he does. This is what you do. You hang out and then you make breakfast. Like, why wouldn't I do this? You know what yeah, I mean? And um, I'm sure it wasn't an isolated event. I mean, that's how he lived his life. Right. All across the board, you know. Yep. Tell us a little bit, Charlie and Chris, about Dime. Because like I said, I never met Dime, but I always felt that Vinny obviously was um, continuing and, and took great pride in, and it was, took it very seriously to continue Dime's legacy of being this guy that everybody surrounded and loved and, and partied with. And like you mentioned, the generosity of it. And I think he kind of really went out of his way to do that in Dime's memory. I never had the opportunity to meet Dime, but give us a little bit of uh, insight of what he was like. I mean, those two, of course, the two brothers, they had the closest relationship that I've ever seen two brothers have. Really? And I would, uh, I would always say, you know, that they're so close, and both of them, the first call that they would make each day was to each other, you know? And that goes without saying. And then, you know, they never met the Van Halen brothers. And I remember Daryl telling me this story that, you know, all these years they never met them. And then one time, a few years before Daryl passed, they hooked up with Van Halen and Daryl became such good friends with, with Eddie and same with Vinny. And I always, I, I say this a lot that Pantera was like Van Halen reborn, mm-hmm. you know, because Daryl was a car idol, you know, like Eddie was. And um, it's just that those two guys, the way Eddie and Alex played together is the same way Vinny and Dime played together. They just knew it was, it was instinct, you know what I mean? And I think after Dime passed, I think Vinny, yeah, he lost his best friend. He lost his brother. And I think he tried to carry that on afterwards, you know what I mean? And it's true what you said. Those guys always made people feel like they were a part of the party, even though they just met them. They always wanted the experience to be a good experience. And we would joke about things on tour, like there's the circus right there. If you're going to go into that room, you're going to go into the circus because (laughs) that, that was it. And it was, it was fun. And, you know, I, I think the circus left town. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, here's a, here's a, a great story. Like you said, so, 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 so Vinny, I'm sure you guys have been there, but for people that, that haven't, which is the majority listening, I'm sure. So in Vegas, he had a house and in the house, there were different rooms that were painted different colors and they had names. So the purple room was the Prince room. The, the green room was the Elvis room, like the jungle room. And the orange room was the carrot top room. So if you were staying at, at, at Vinny's place and if you had drank too much, you would go, you get the carrot top room or you get the prince room or you get the, you get the jungle land room. And then what he would do is, like I said, you would go back to his place, you'd be hanging out. And just as you're about ready to go to sleep because you don't want to stay up any longer, that's when Vinny would start cooking breakfast. And he would put on the movie that he always put on, it seemed, every time I was over there was Bruno. Remember the um, <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen, like kind of the ripoff oh, yeah, Borat? Song. <laughs> yeah, like the really bad one. And 
He would play that so loud. He would turn the sound up to like a thousand. It was like Back to the Future when my, you know, when Michael J. Fox plays the chord and it blows his his whole speaker. Because I don't think he wanted anyone to go to sleep. So you had to stay awake and listen to this stupid Bruno that he just thought was the funniest thing ever. And it's not that funny, but for him, he thought it was the best <laughs> while he was making this breakfast, you know? <laughs> I'm going to take exception that, to that in that, that I think it's also very too. funny. Okay. And I watched it together and loved it. <laughs> well, Vinny loved it too. Might be a, might be a drummer thing. <laughs> right, 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 right. Did you guys ever have experiences like that with Vinny that you want to share? I, uh, I definitely spent some time at his house uh, in Vegas and at his club in uh, Texas and exactly what you're talking about. You know, he's got a nice little pool in the backyard. Everybody's hanging out. He's making sure everybody's comfortable. And, you know, at some point he may go and take a 15-minute nap and then he's back like it's showtime, uh, you know, when everybody's ready to go to sleep. So um, there have been times where I even tried to leave uh, and, you know, he, he made it impossible uh, to do so, not by blasting Bruno, but, you know, oh, come on, man, let's, you know, let's hang out. You know, he, he just, he loved being alive. He loved sharing uh, the company of uh, other fun people and maybe even not fun people. I don't know. Uh, but, he, you know, I think both he and his brother lived each day like it was their last. And I did want to talk about uh, Dime a little bit in their relationship because I have a brother in my band. Right. You know, obviously growing up. Guitar player about, too, right? Yeah. yeah. Guitar player, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, thinking about bands like Van Halen and Pantera. You know, not that my band has anything to do with those kind of acts, but you in that my brother's in the band, you kind of assimilate to some mental extent anyway uh, <laughs> about things like that. And, you know, the way that I met uh, Vinny and Dime uh, was that we showed up early one day for uh, a show that we were playing the next day, and they were playing that night, so we got to get see Damage Plan play. And uh, they pulled us up on stage. Uh, prior to that, they pulled us into their trailer to take shots with them. And... From that moment forward, the way that I knew them, really in the way that I uh, associate with my brother, it wasn't even, it was beyond brotherly. I mean, these guys were best friends. And sometimes my little brother's a total dick. <laughs> and I'm sure I am to him as well. And I don't call him every day. I don't want to see him you know, necessarily when we're off tour. We get along. But it's not, it was nothing like I'd ever seen before. Like, and even in a band that had been around for that long, most of the time you end up, you know, now the singer's got a different bus, the bass player doesn't want to be with this guy, whatever. You know, whatever. People stop getting along when you're stuck in some sort of metal tube for 20 years right. uh, straight. And these guys were inseparable. I mean, it was a, a bromance for real. Like, mm -hmm. they, loved each other and they loved life and they loved what they were doing and they loved making everybody feel good. I agree with that. Like, I think it's down to Vinny and Dime's mom too. We had Thanksgiving one time there and his mom cooked everything and it was such a great thing to, to be there and because mm. I, I come from a big family and it made me feel really good. I was, you know, we were on tour and here was his mom making this, all this food for everybody. And I went, Chris, when you were saying the thing about Vinny would cook your breakfast, it's like it reminded me of his mom mm -hmm. making all this food for everybody for Thanksgiving, you know. And um, 
what, what a great time that was. And afterwards, you know, we did karaoke, and the first person to get up and sing karaoke was dying. He wanted to break the ice because nobody was getting up there to do it. <laughs> so he gets up there, and what did he sing? Tainted Love. And we were just like, Jesus, come on. It was hilarious. <laughs> One time uh, I went to uh, the Sin City Sinners, which is a, a Vegas cover band. Yuck. Yeah, and uh, Vinny went up there, and uh, he he just he took the lead mic to sing "Blind in Texas" by Wasp, <laughs> which was awesome. I'm blind in Texas, like total. You know how he did total Texas accent. It's just like all these things. But bro, something came up that uh, that when you just talked about that, Charlie. So obviously, with, with Fozzie and with Lamb of God, you know we are uh, everyone's influenced in a way by Pantera. You know, in this day and age, and it's not just. It wasn't the thrash aspect. It was the groove, like you mentioned. Like the 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 the, the Paul Diamond Vinny played like the Van Halens in a thrash band. It's the groove that Pantera had and that bounce that made them different. But being in Anthrax and being one of the original thrash metal bands, I'm sure Pantera was influenced by you guys. So what was it like when you first met uh, Diamond Vinny? Because Lord knows those guys had no problem. Uh, wearing their influences on their sleeve and patting everybody on the back, whether it was, you know, Ozzy or Ron Keel or anyone in between, they just loved rock and roll and heavy metal. So it must have been, they must have been kind of uh, freaking out fanboying when they first met you guys in Anthrax. Well, I remember we, the first time we played there was like 85, I believe. And that's the first time I met them. And that's, uh, that was because of Rita. Rita was kind of, she grew up with them. She was dating Dime and, put us together and we played a show at this place called Cardi's, I believe it was called. And, and those guys opened up for us hmm. and I'll never forget that night. Dude, it's so clear in my head. There was a pole like in where the audience was <laughs> and Daryl was up the pole headbanging and drinking. And, uh, it's like <laughs> those, that scene right then and there is so stained in my head. And this is before Philip was in the band. And, you know, Pantera, they would do, like, Metallica songs. They would do Madhouse, you know, hmm. stuff like that. And um, I was so, like, happy to see them evolve from what they were into what they became. I mean, they took the best of all that stuff and just said, we're a lion, you know what I mean? Right. And they just roared. And, yeah, you know, I think Cowboys from Hell was such a, a leap, but then vulgar to me. That was the record to me that showed these guys could write songs, you know? Right. And Phil can sing them, too. Phil was awesome back then, too. You know, Phil was like, he was such a good singer, and, he, and yet he had that thing about him. It was great. And same with Rex. You know, I got to give Rex credit, too, because those Pantera records, they were like Van Halen when yeah. Eddie would go for a lead. It would just be Michael Anthony. Yeah. And on the Pantera records, a lot of times you would just hear Rex, and Rex was so good. He filled up that sound, and just all those guys, they made great music together. Perfect chemistry in that. And it's interesting, too, when you talk back about how, how Chris was mentioning that they were so close as brothers, and it's the famous story. And Chris, you played in Megadeth for, for a few years about how Mustaine wanted Dime in the band, and Dime's like, right. well... I got a drummer brother, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure you might have heard that story, Chris, from, from Dave himself, or, or what did you hear about that? Yes, not only did I hear the story, I, mean, I heard it from both Dave and Dime, and in addition to that, mm -hmm. when Dave asked me 
to join the band, he was also looking for a guitar player. Oh. And I was up and down and all over the place about, well, I don't know anybody better than my brother. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so I think it's, maybe that's a bit of family-oriented kind of thing. But um, it would have been impossible. Uh, obviously, I did make it up without my brother. But it would have been impossible for those guys to do something apart if given the choice. And when they went from Pantera to Damage Plan and had that continued, I'm sure Dime would have been in hell yeah. They were really joined at the hip. I mean, it, it was almost bizarre in some ways how well they got along. And I, I envied it. Mm. But, yeah, I, I don't know more specifics about the, the Dime thing, but I, I know that, yeah, almost like a – it was like a mafia with those guys. But it was like the good time mafia. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we do this or we don't do this. Yeah, we're we're a package deal. We're not one guy's not joining without the other guy, sort of thing. Right. You know, it's I inter- love that. yeah, and, and it's interesting to me. Um, I always really understood it when when Vinny would talk about it, and I talked about him with him a few times about you know the the Pantera reunion with with Zach Wild on lead guitar, whoever it was, rumors of Kerry King or whatever, and and Vinny was like, there is no reunion because there's no dime, so there's nothing to reunite, so we're not doing it. And I always thought, like, you know, I understand that way more than most would. Well, just do it for the songs and do it. Like, you cannot go on stage and play these songs without Dimebag uh, with him. And I thought that was pretty, uh, very telling in the relationship those guys had. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I also spoke to him uh, at length about that. And not that I ever, not that my opinion mattered whatsoever, but I encouraged him repeatedly Please don't. Mm-hmm. You know that it's it's not right. And as much as I love Zach and or whoever else might be able to do it, and I know the fans want that, and I know there is this concept of you know do it for the fans, do it for the songs, you know celebrate this. It's celebrated by the fact that it's over. Mm-hmm. It's celebrated by the fact that we all remember it well uh, with the appropriate pieces to the puzzle. Yeah, you know, um, and it's well, it's like, it's like I've always heard from from Robert Plant. The reason why he doesn't want to do Zeppelin is he doesn't want to do it without John Bonham. And most people don't understand that. But if you're in a band with someone that you really lock in with, or you know, from a brother standpoint, you know, family or otherwise, I get it. You know, and, and like you said, Chris, I, I've thought it was it took a lot of conviction for Vinny to say no. Obviously, a lot of money at stake. He didn't care. He had a lot of money. He didn't need it anyways. And even if he did. You know, I remember one of his quotes was, "I'd rather uh, give blowjobs in the back alley than 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 play with Pantera and not have my brother in it." So he said, "If I need money that bad, I'll go give blowjobs in the back alley rather than play with a fake Pantera." <laughs> <laughs> um, There's a chemistry you have as a band, and sometimes it's you know, in my band, it's, it uh, it can become tumultuous, mm-hmm. uh, it can become difficult, and sometimes those things actually are beneficial in ways that you push each other creatively and kind of get around the obstacles. But in their case, it was a, a positive right. chemistry. I, I, no, I don't know the internals of that, you know, how everything fell apart and how things went down. Obviously, uh, it didn't go that way the whole time. But I really love the idea of it not being – it's not that Vinny said no. It's that it wasn't possible. It wasn't – Right. You can't do it. Whatever other unit would be put together – is not capable of creating the chemistry necessary to put on the show that Vinny and his brother did. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, you're, and you're right about that, Chris, because I agree with you a, a thousand percent. Um, the chemistry, the groove of that band was far beyond driven, shall we say. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's talk about, you know, somebody said something the other day when I was, you know, trying to figure out what happened to Vinny at 54 years old and, and you know, not a drug guy. You know, at least for me, I've hung with him 20 times, never once saw him ever do drugs. He liked to drink, but whatever. Most of us do. Somebody said that being on stage when when Dime was was murdered took 30 years off his life figuratively. I think about that a lot about him having to go through that. You know, just just the whole horrific experience of it, the night of it, but then to have to live with it for every day of your life afterwards. And then the courage that it took to get back on stage and play music once again, probably for the first time ever without Dime. I, I don't know how, if I could have done that. You guys have any thoughts on that? Even when you were just saying it, it just made me really uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know how he got the strength to do it, but he did it. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I was in that position, you know, if I would do the same, you know. That's a tough call. It's obviously, you know, a heartbreaking situation. But this is what Vinny did. Yeah. It's not that Vinny was incapable of doing something else, but this is what Vinny always wanted to do. And he missed his brother so very much. But in the same way as if, you know, the band was in a van on the way over here to practice and everybody died, I still love playing the drums. Yeah. I still, this is what I know how to do. Uh, This is what I grew up wanting to do. I'm sure that was a process for him. You know, he was basically a widow at that point yeah good point but it, this is what we were born to do i don't know that he had a choice he, he waited a while in hopes of probably finding some courage or solace in it all but uh, i imagine it would it would be inevitable you you don't walk away from what you were what you know god gave you as a, a gift to give other people from such a traumatic experience to come back from that and it's interesting you know it's funny when when we start talking, you get all these memories flooding back, like Charlie mentioned about Thanksgiving and all that stuff. Like, right when when our song Judas was number five on the rock radio charts, uh, Vinny Hell Yeah's song Love Falls was number six. And then when we went to number six, he was at number five. And we were texting back and forth. I remember how proud he was and how happy he was about Hell Yeah getting this you know top five single, the biggest single of their career. Because I think there was a lot of just gimmickry at first of people going to see Hal yeah just because oh it's Vinny in the band and we want to see Vinny play but maybe not really giving them their due because they're just taking it more of as Vinny's other project and then to see them grow and actually become a big success on their own Vinny was very proud of that I, I think oh I know he was proud of it absolutely and there's, there's no schlubs in that band I mean those those guys are professionals coming from different all successful careers. I mean, it's a super group. So you definitely can't take anything away from what they did. And it was probably his best foot forward as far as, you know, okay, if I'm going to do it, 
you know, with different cool dudes that have you know, uh, some success in the process and make it happen. But yeah, he was absolutely proud of the fact. And, and I'm, I'm sure it has something to do with him not wanting to always be looking in the rearview mirror despite uh, every interview and every question. You know, not only did he get the courage to get back out on stage without his brother, then he had to continually answer questions about the yeah. past and his brother. And in the meantime, hold his shit together while doing the best thing he could for the band that he was in that he wanted to consider the same kind of brothers moving forward. So just strength above strength. The guy, there's no one, I've, I've never met anyone like him. Charlie, what do you think uh, of, of Vinny as a drummer? I mean, both you guys are, are amazing drummers, uh, you know, pioneers, especially Charlie and, and obviously Chris with Lamb of God. And even, even the Megadeth stuff was amazing. It was a great record you guys did and playing all that other stuff. Um, what's your opinions of Vinny as, 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 as a rock drummer? I've always had so much respect for him as a drummer, uh, as an engineer. You know, he was, remember this, he was the guy who made those records sound the way they did. Um, he found the frequency to cut through that big, ferocious guitar, and you still heard every note that he played on that kit. And I especially liked Vinny's footwork. Mm -hmm. And I remember when Daryl played me Becoming for the first time, he's like, he's like, check out my brother here. And I was like, what? I couldn't understand what was going on, you know? Mm. I just knew it was beautiful, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and um, I said right then, there, that's a signature lick right there, you know what I mean? And yeah, I mean, he's a great drummer. You know, you can't help but feeling his power, you know? Like, I, we always joke about that Beatles thing that George Harrison was a, a genius. The only problem is he was in a band with two other ones. Yeah, two, two bigger geniuses, people. yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the thing with those guys, too. You know, each one of them did their thing. And Vinny was the guy who did his thing. He was the drummer in that band, but he was also the sound guy. You know what I mean? Mm. So he played a bigger part in that band than uh, maybe a lot of people know. What do you think, Chris? As far as Vinny's drumming, I mean, to me, there's probably two albums that I could reference as far as the drum sound that I was always hoping for if I ever got to a point where, you know, I could put out an album and that would be, you know, Injustice for All and Cowboys from Hell. Those were groundbreaking percussion engineering kind of uh, albums. The difference between the two of them is that Vinny made people move, not just headbang, but he made people move and he did that with groove. And it was a groove that you would find in, you know, some Van Halen songs and, and the things that influenced him in that he had some earlier uh, kind of influences. And he brought that into metal, which is what I always loved uh, about it. You know, that his, his dad was uh, into you know, country stuff and they grew up in a very open environment musically and were able to take in uh, all kinds of different information, uh, which is you know, what I've tried to do and like in clinics or whatever is what I speak to people about is that that is the, the greatest tool that you have is just to keep an open mind. And Vinny had a way in his playing. Uh, I mean, I got a freaking tattoo on my back from a, when I was 17 with a fake ID from a, a song they did called by, uh, by Demons Be Driven. Oh, wow. And 
to me, it was more than influential. Like I, I, there was nothing else like it at the time. Everybody wanted to be fast, be able to hit harder, just stick tricks, showmanship, whatever. And, and Vinny really captured what I, I love about music, which is, or, or being a musician, which is the real power in doing this is not about who's better or, or who's faster or a competition. It's just about making people move, making people smile, you know, and, and there, there's no one, I've never seen anyone better at doing that than Vinnie Paul. Let me ask you a question, um, both you guys, when you mentioned, like, you think of certain drummers that, you know, like, you always knew Alex Van Halen's drum sound. For whatever reason, he just had that snare sound. What did Vinnie do on his kick drums to get that, like you mentioned, Charlie, becoming? Just, what, what did he, how did he get that sound? Well, you know, people think it was triggers and stuff like that, but no, he EQ'd those drums the way they sounded, the way he EQ'd them. And he didn't tune his drums very high, high pitched. They were very, you know, low, just a lot of low end coming out of those drums. And, you know, I'll pick one little fill that is so minimal, but it's so huge to me. There's a fill in uh, New Level where... All he does is hits the bell of the cymbal. Uh-huh. It's fucking awesome. And I remember <laughs> Alex Van Halen doing something similar. And when Vinny did it in, in New Level, it made me so happy. It wasn't a crazy busy fill. It was just one note. Ding. But yet it was so powerful. Right. And just things like that. And he left space. Hmm. The groove, right? And he wasn't in a competition with anybody. Nope. It was just what's right for the song. That's all that mattered. And, but you know, things are bigger. Spend all day trying to figure out, uh, you know, how fast can I go? What still can I do to impress twelve-year-olds or, or whatever? I I don't even know. But it seems like, you know, everybody's in a race. Mm-hmm. And Vinny was not in a race. He just wrote songs. Hmm. When when you think of uh, you know Vinny and did you guys ever tour? I mean, I'm sure you did, Charlie, a number of times tour with Pantera. Chris, I'm sure, I think Pantera's probably done by the time you guys started, but with Damage Plan, you got any stories of, of touring with Pantera, Charlie, back in those days? Because I know they were pretty, uh, they went pretty hard. Most of the stories are, I've been told, uh, I have, you know, so many fun stories, crazy stories, stories of, I had 102 fever, took me to, like, the emergency room, I got back, I'm in my bunk, like, fucking freezing, shivering, all of a sudden, I hear footsteps coming up, and my curtain opens, and it's Daryl. He's like, I heard you're sick. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sick. He's like, you know, booze is the healer. And he pulls out a shot. I'm like, There's no way I'm drinking that. I ended up drinking it. Um, and uh, I never got better on that tour. <laughs> and, you know, those are the fun times that you remember. I remember Vinny and... and in Dallas, Vinny lived up on the hill, mm-hmm. and um, down the hill, there was a, a few houses, and Rex lived down the hill, and I remember I was at Vinny's house one time, it was late, and we were drinking and everything like that, and he had this golf cart, and he's like, let's go for a ride. We went down the hill, and he's like, that's Rex's house there, and he drives over Rex's flowers and just <laughs> <fucking> destroys <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> it was so funny the next day Rex is like why you gotta pick my house 
<laughs> Why does it have to be my Because <laughs> you're the bass player. That's right. <laughs> and Charlie, how, how hard was it to get down that damn driveway on the hill? I mean, my oh, goodness. It, I it, think he had it down to a science though. Well, if you if you just parked up there and there was a couple other people, it literally took me one time 25 minutes to get out of that driveway. I couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> it was like Austin Powers when you're reversing and forwarding and reversing and forwarding <laughs> against the wall. I couldn't get out of the thing i know i took my car up the thing you know it, it's it's funny being in that dallas house i remember one time um uh we were all there hanging out and Vinny's like you know you, you can go sleep in one of the uh what did he call it in one of the suites outside the cabana suites and i was right. like oh wow so i go outside by the pool and it's not a cabana suite it's basically a pool shed with a mattress in it and that could be where you sleep. There's no door. There's no windows. There's no light. You just go in there, close the door, and it smells like chlorine. But it's got a it's got a mattress on the floor, <laughs> and you can sleep in there for a while in one of the cabana suites. So then I go back inside once again, like you said, like after a 15 minute nap or so. And everyone, it's, I always thought like it was always like the the movie The Hangover when they wake up in the morning and there's like chickens on the floor and there's a tiger in the back, <laughs> <laughs> and, and all, everyone's all passed out. And Vinny's like just sitting there. And he's got uh, uh, a White Snake live video from about 2007, but they're playing Still of the Night. And he's got it once again. It's cranked, and I'm like, "How does anybody sleep in here?" He's like, "Mom, let's watch some White Snake." And we did. We watched the whole White Snake live video at about six in the morning, and then I went back to my uh, cabana suite and went back to sleep again. <laughs> it never ended. It just kept going. Yeah, I, I'll tell you a quick story. Hell yeah, came to. Uh, Richmond years ago. I'd met Vinny many times, and he invited me back up on the bus after the show. And of course, you know, I kind of find my own thing to do while the guys clean up and do whatever they're going to do. And then I head to the bus, you know, maybe a half an hour after set time, 45 minutes, something like that. I'm welcomed onto the bus uh, with my friend John, who played in a band called Devil Driver at the time, now in Bad Wolves. And we go up on the bus, and Vinny is it, now, this is Vinny's bus. Like most, as you know, most of the time you rent a bus from yeah. you know, these different bus companies or whatever. Vinny owned the bus. Yeah. And it, it was not <laughs> uh, like the newest and new. This was like a 1985 yes. Eagle bus with a stick shift that, you know, he'd owned forever. <laughs> we go up there. He's in place in, in the front lounge, laid out in his underwear, his cowboy hat. And on the not LED or, or digital TV on the the, the old school, <laughs> I know it well. Yeah, in the wall there, he's watching a rerun of the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl from the eighties. <laughs> well, I mean, there's no one like this guy. One of a kind. And to go along with that uh, old-ass tour bus, he also had a, he's like, hey, man, let's take a ride in my limousine. And the limousine, I think, was older than the tour bus was. It was like a big, long, like a Chevy station wagon limousine. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It was just an old station wagon painted black. Yeah. And you go inside, and he's got, like, the Christmas lights all lined up, and he's got everything all lined up there. You know, and it's just, once again, just... I think we were rocking Journey or something like that. And that's one thing, like, you know, like we talk about Vinny, I'm sure Dime was the same. Is like, yes, they were pioneers in the thrash field and heavy metal of the 90s. But deep down inside, they were just 70s classic rock kids, man. Those are the bands totally. they liked the most. Totally. Yeah. 
you know? We went to uh, Ace Fraley together in Dallas. We played the Trees Lounge, and I had the night off, so me and Vinny went to uh, to see Ace the next night. And, you know, just we took a picture of the three of us, of Ace and, and Vinny and, and, and me, and it was just like, he was super excited. I was super excited. Ace couldn't really give a shit. I think he might have known who Vinny was. He had no idea who I was, <laughs> even though I interviewed him on my podcast twice. But, uh, you know, it was just cool. Like, Vinny Paul's marking out for, for Ace Fraley, lead guitar, because that's kind of what he grew up with. And I don't think he ever left it. I think he and his brother were still 12 years old. Yeah. And they, and they loved it. And All the time. Everything that and, you know, Vinny that, was like... You know, uh, they were days cool off, with and I remember supportive of, but they loved, you know, the stuff they grew up on, and they lived it. Charlie, what were you gonna say? On the tour, some days uh, they would go golfing, and then the night before, like I agreed to do it, Daryl agreed to do it. We went golfing, and I, I, the only thing I've ever done is just hit, hit, you know, go to the range and just, you know, drive yeah. golf balls. Never actually played a real game of golf. Didn't even know if I could do it. But, you know, my nephew went, uh, Rex and Vinny, uh, they were well, well, well up on their golf game. And we all went, and me and Daryl made it to the third hole, and that was it. We were done. <laughs> and um, we just went to the, to the clubhouse to, to drink, and those guys continued to play. They loved – that's one thing about Vinny. He loved sports, yeah. man, you know, and he loved his golf game. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I was just thinking too, like the last time I spoke to him was about a month ago, which was when the NHL playoffs were going and it was the, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, which was his, you know, adopted team and then the Winnipeg Jets and the, the Jets lost to the Knights, but the whole time we were busting each other's balls and then when the Jets finally lost, I, he, uh, he sent me a thrill of victory picture and I sent him an agony of defeat picture and I, when I went to, you know, when I found out they had passed away, I went just to see the last text, and it was, it was this picture that he sent me in his pool, uh, with 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 a Corona beer, sunglasses on, uh, uh, headband on, in his pool, just like saying, "Hey, man, you know, nice try, Jets, but the, but the Knights, Knights did it." And like that's that, it's the perfect picture of Vinnie Paul, just in in yeah. so happy because his team won in his swimming pool, beer in his hand. It's like that's the epitome of this guy. Yeah, exactly. That's those things made him happy. And do you remember in one of the videos that they did, um, Daryl had gotten a copy of the Modern Drummer with him on the cover, and Daryl was so happy to sh- you know yeah to give it to him, and uh, you could just see the two of them like shared that joy. You know, you're on the cover of Modern Drummer. You know, it's like yeah, it was such a cool moment. You know, it- and uh, yeah, I don't know, just. Thoughts like that have been coming up to me. I've been, you know, when I first heard, I was going through some old pictures and just kind of crying and stuff and just just reminiscing. I was like, wow, man, where did all this time go? Yeah, you know, and um, I, th- I think you probably agree with this, Chris, because you mentioned that, that they, they came and saw you. But, like, Vinny always came out to support. Like, if he was in town and there was any band of any friend that he knew – he would be there. Or I remember he told me he went to Carrot Top like 157 times or something. Like he, he was. <laughs> That's the weirdest thing I know about him. <laughs> like I said, man, I stayed in the like, Carrot Top room, the orange room. Everything else, everything else is super cool. Oh yeah, cool. You like Van Halen? Yeah, cool. You play the drums? Cool. You like Carrot Top? Like, and not only do you like Carrot Top. This is like his best friend. Yeah, 157 times. I'm like, how many, how many, how many props does he have? 
But the best thing, too, is when Vinny wanted to come to your show, because the last time I ever saw him, uh, we played the Bomb Factory uh, in Dallas, and he came, but it's classic Vinny Paul. Hey, man, I'm going to come to your show. I need 10 passes uh, by the soundboard. Uh, I need to be in my own special area. I need to have my own bartender. I'm like, you know, he would always do that. And then That's the one thing, dude, I, I regret is that we played Vegas in May. He was in Dallas. And yeah. Then, a week and a half ago, uh, the second to last show on, the, on that tour was in Dallas, and then he was in Vegas. Yeah. And we never got to see him. Yeah. You know, and, and like I said, it's funny, too, like all these memories, because like I mentioned, when, when he wanted all the passes and stuff, and then, you, you know, you call the tour manager, and it's Vinnie Paul, so of course he can get what he wants, but then he's like, hey, Bride Dog wants uh, five shirts and uh, two hats, and I'm like, so now we're giving him all this merch. You know, and it's like, it costs you money when Vinnie Paul comes to town, man. <laughs> at the same time, if you go to Vinnie Paul's town, you know, you're oh, taken care of. Dude, right? if I ever went to the clubhouse, even if he wasn't there, there'd be a giant bottle of Grey Goose waiting for me. Uh, and I'm not talking a big one. I'm talking like one of those big industrial-sized ones. I'm like, dude, I'm here for like two hours. How am I going to drink all this? <laughs> you know, but he would have it waiting there. Even though he used to bust my balls, he said that Grey Goose tasted like black licorice. <laughs> Why do you drink that shit? It tastes like black licorice, man. I'm like, no, it's great. He's like, no, you got to drink kettle one, man. But um, you know, that just reminded me. We were doing those uh, the big four shows in Europe, and the second one was in Switzerland. And hell yeah, we're on that show too. Oh wow! And some of my friends came out for some of the shows, and two of them are huge Pantera fans. And I remember Vinny comes in the dressing room. And I said, hey, man, these are my friends, blah, blah, blah. Hey, cool, guys. Nice to meet you. And he spots a bottle of vodka on our table. And he walks over and he's like, he looks at me, he's like, you're not going to need this, right? Take it and leave. <laughs> like, what? But that's him. That's, that's it, man. <laughs> like like you said, that last time in Dallas, nobody in my band drinks but me, so our rider is basically just a bottle of Grey Goose, you know, and he came in there with the entourage, 10 people. <laughs> You know, well, let's have some shots. Get some plastic cups. They, you know, everybody gets a shot, and there goes my bottle of Grey Goose. See you later, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But um, you know, as, as we start to wind down here, I just, there's there's a couple more things I just wanted to talk about. Um, one of the, it's just a little tidbit that reminded me of this. I don't know if you guys even know this or if people watching know this, but uh, if you look on Instagram right now, uh, everybody's got a picture of Vinny, like I said, and he looks exactly the same in every one. Black cowboy hat. Uh, shades on, shirt open to the waist with his hairy Paul Stanley chest. <laughs> and he's always pointing at the camera. He's got a drink in one hand pointing at the camera. Or if he has his arm around you and he's holding the drink, that finger's still pointing at the camera. And the reason why he does that is because him and Dime, when they were kids, saw Elvis pointing at the camera and always thought it was so cool that they always did it. And then after Dime passed away, Vinny continued to do it as a tribute to Elvis and as a tribute to Dime, which I thought was such an interesting story. Yeah, and, and don't forget the snap. What's the snap? He would always, him and him and his brother, whenever they were going to tell you something and they were going to hit that punchline, they would always snap their finger. <laughs> there it is. That's true, man. That's a good... All, every time. That's you know, a... you think back at him talking to you, and then it's like when, whenever they're ready to finish the sentence, pop, there it goes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, man, the guy he he loved what he did. Yeah, man, 
it blows my mind that the best brother combination that aren't named the Van Halens are, are both gone, you know, before they even turn 55 years old. It's it's still something that's hard to hard to swallow for all of us. It is. I miss them already. You know, yeah. yeah. That's a tough thing. Uh, for me, uh, it's, it's very sad that we lost both of them so early. Last few thoughts. What is your favorite uh, drum performance for, from Vinnie Paul, Chris? Wow. Uh, I, I think, as I said before, you know, Vinnie had a way of, you know, obviously impressing us, helping influence uh, my playing, certainly, if not, you know, everyone's. But what I loved most about Vinny was that he played for the song. It wasn't about the drum solo or, you know, how many notes can I get in here? How fast can I do this with my feet or anything like that? Mm-hmm. And you know, my favorite Pantera song is a song called uh, Shedding Skin. Mm. And while it doesn't contain necessarily the most extravagant drum performances, it does contain what I loved uh, about his playing and I try to employ here and there uh, when I remember is restraint and knowing what's best for the song and, and not having it be about necessarily your ego. Hmm. Uh, so that would have to be my pick. Charlie? Uh, I mean, before I mentioned Becoming, yeah. when I first heard that, uh, I I knew that was that was the shit right there. You know? <laughs> Everybody was trying to figure that one out. You know? That, to me, was, like I said, that was his signature lick right there. Yeah. There's one more filled in the song, Stronger Than All, when it breaks down and the riff is like, down, 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 and then he comes in with this drum fill and it's just, bah, boom, bah, doom, doom, down, down. It's just so mm. heavy. And he showed, like, restraint because he could have just did a, but he didn't. He chose to put these notes there and it's so perfect and so heavy. You know, that, that's a great point. And I, I'm thinking through, like, when you said New Level, that's kind of, or you said uh, Becoming, that's kind of my pick. Uh, new Level's up there, too. But I was just thinking about Domination and the end of it. Oh, yeah. It, th- that's kind of almost a clinic f- for any drummer to play because it's all styles. It goes really fast. It's got a really cool kind of a groove beat. But then at the end, where it's just gong, 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 dong, 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 You put some kind of a sound on that. And it was just like, man, that might be the heaviest you know, present company, no disrespect, but that might be the heaviest piece of heavy metal ever put on tape is that outro to Domination. That is awesome, that. And, you know, here's, a, here's a, another little thing. That lick right there, back in the day, like on tour, whenever a door was closed, like production office, whatever, if you knew the knock, bop, 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 well, then you got in. <laughs> that was the secret knock? That was the secret knock. That's like, that's like that. What, what did Vinny wear on stage? Did he wear like slippers or something like that? Do you remember? I saw him playing, I saw him playing flip-flops once. <laughs> really? Flip-flops? Yeah. Those Adidas ones? Oh, my gosh. That's so he, great. He was not the kind of guy that would you know, blame the tools. You know? He could do it uh, in his sleep. I mean, it, it was what he was born to do. Did you guys ever hear the Rebel Meets Rebel record that they did? I love that record. So good, man. Did you ever hear That's that, Chris? Agreed. I did. Yeah. It's, it, if anybody hasn't heard it, it's basically Pantera with David Allen Coe singing, so it's like country metal, but there's a song called Rebel Meets Rebel, and there's another one called Cowboys Do More Dope Than Rock and Rollers. Um, 
some great solos from Dime and some great beats from from Vinny. If you guys haven't heard it, go check it out. It's like an unreleased, uh, you know, Pantera record in a lot of ways. Um, and then, of course, Vinny was telling me right towards the end that you know they were doing a new Hell Yeah record. They had to leave the studio because they were recording in Vegas. And then Disturbed came in, and because Disturbed is a bigger band and has more money, they had to kick Hell Yeah out of the studio. So he was really pissed off. And I was like, well, f*** Disturbed. He's like, yeah, but everyone's going to want that tour when it comes out, so don't say it too loudly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But he did get the drums done, and there will be another Hell Yeah record, you know, with Vinnie Paul on the drums, which will be kind of his swan song. Just shooting the breeze between the brothers here. Do you think Hell Yeah can continue? Will continue? Should they continue? Wow, that's a that's a big question, man. It's tough, uh, right? That's that's really tough. I think he, you know, not to take anything away from any of the other guys who are all very very talented and accomplished musicians, but Vinny was the heart of everything that he did. Yeah, I don't I don't know how they could. I certainly wish them well, and if they choose to do so, I would support it. Yeah, me I just too. Don't, I just don't know how they would have really the the pulse. Yeah. I guess and it, you know how that's going to go. It's just going to, with time, you know, everyone's going to heal a bit in time. And then when it comes time to put those tracks back up, I think that's when it's going to hit them too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Good point. Good point. You know, I, I guess it's like continuing on with old Cliff Burton or Bon Scott. If you decide to do it, find the right guy and go for it, man. And, and, and we'll all support it. Like right. you said, so Last words on Vinnie Paul, Chris? Ah, uh, man, there are no last words. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a my entire life I'll remember the guy and try to be more like him. Yeah, that's that's well said, man. How about you, Charlie? Uh, great heart, great fucking laugh. Yeah. Um, just awesome all around. And for me, one of the greatest things to ever come out of Texas was, <laughs> was him and his brother. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And like I said, you know, from a musician standpoint and a fan standpoint, but from a dude, that's going to be a hard one to replace, man. I mean, I really love that guy. And, and I'm not just saying that. I mean, I think we all can, can, can you know, understand the reasons for why. And uh, let me just end it off with this video. This is after Vegas beat the Jets, and this is what he sent me. Mr. Jericho, Vinny's got some words for you. Hey there, Winnipegger. I guess you're out now, and we're in. What a great series, and I hope you're not too butthurt. I love you, man. <laughs> Woo! It sucks. I was the only Winnipegger here. So, <laughs> look, he's even nice when his team beats my team. I'd be like, hey, f- you, we win, you lose. <laughs> you know, but like you said. One- I mean, it's like, I hate to be like, like making a pun, but, you know, they always made a thing about Cowboys from Bell, and I, I'm hoping the Cowboys are in heaven right now. Ah, that's really Indeed. cool. Yeah, absolutely. Cowboys in heaven. And like people say, you know, save us a front a front row seat for the uh, Dime Vinny Jam, you know, because I'm sure they're they're up there right now figuring out some new riffs and some great new rock and roll and having a couple black tooth rins for all of us down here. Yeah, I certainly man. hope they Definitely these, these guys will be missed. Yeah, man. Hey, guys, I really appreciate you doing this. It's, it's good when this type of thing happens to do a little fellowship and a little reminiscing and uh, – I appreciate you guys doing this and, and, and exchanging stories. It makes me feel a little bit better in a in a pretty shitty situation. Oh, I appreciate nice it more than nice anything. Thank Chris. you for letting us talk. <laughs> yeah. All right, Thanks, buddy. Man. Thank you. See you guys. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>
All right, thanks to my bro, Charlie Benanti of Anthrax, and my new bro, Chris Adler of Lamb of God, for sharing their great stories and memories of the amazing, awesome Vinnie Paul. And thanks to Brother Vin for all the hospitality over the years, all the great music over the years. And here's to you and Dime, uh, Dime Bag together again. Cowboys in heaven. Um, wow, it's still hard to believe that he's gone. But like we're talking about, Vinny did finish the drums for the upcoming new Hell Yeah record. So we got new music from Vin and his band coming soon. Uh, Vin's last mark on earth, and he was so proud of that band, and I'm so proud of him for all that he did. And uh, thank you so much, guys, uh, for listening today and helping us get a little closure. Uh, but it's all about living life. And you want to live life uh, on board Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. You're looking for a party? Believe me, we got one. We're setting sail October 27th. There are still cabins available at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. They are selling, though. They're selling fast. And once you book a cabin, everything is included in the price. This is the inaugural voyage of Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. So if you're not sure exactly what you'll be getting, you'll be getting concerts from Fozzie and Corey Taylor and King and the Dave Spivak Project and Shoot to Thrill and Blizzard of Ozzy. You'll be getting comedy shows from Brad Williams, Sal and Q from the Impractical Jokers, uh, uh, Craig Gass. Um, uh, there's another super hilarious comedian coming. That's uh, uh, Ron Funches is going to be there. That's right. You're going to get uh, this Ring of Honor, Sea of Honor tournament, including uh, the Young Bucks, including Cody. Uh, Kenny Omega will be wrestling. Um, the, the list goes on and on and on. Adam Page, Marty Skrull. Uh, and now uh, just being announced very recently as well, coming up in Impact versus Ring of Honor. You know that the Alpha Club, the Bucks of Jericho, I will be wrestling on this cruise. That wasn't the original idea, but I couldn't pass up the opportunity to become a six-man unit with uh, the Young Bucks. You're going to see that as well. Uh, you're going to get to see uh, live podcasting. Killing the Town is going to be there. Uh, Keeping It 100 is going to be there. Beyond the Darkness is going to be scaring the crap out of you. We got the Women of Honor, Mandy Leon, Kelly Klein are going to be there. Uh, so many great uh, legends, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, will be doing a live talk as Jericho with me on the cruise. Only on the cruise. Then you're going to see Remembering Eddie Guerrero with me, Rey Mysterio, and Conan. Only on the cruise. And don't forget that the first round of the Sea of Honor tournament has been announced from Ring of Honor. The winner will get a world title shot in the future. Uh, Jay Lethal versus BJ Whitmer. Christopher Daniels versus Delirious, Marty Skrull versus Rhett Titus, Silas Young versus Flip Gordon, Mark Briscoe versus Will Ferrara, Adam Page versus Kazarian, Cheese Metal Guy versus the Beer City Bruiser, uh, Jay Briscoe versus Kenny King. That's just the first round. Uh, and there's other matches coming as well. Like I said, be prepared. This is going to be the experience of a lifetime. We are going to have one of the greatest vacations you could ever have. It is going to make history. So I want you to go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and also follow this space right here on my Instagram, on my Twitter. Just go online and check it out because we're going to be announcing all the matches, all the uh, live talk as Jericho's besides Ricky Steamboat, besides the Eddie uh, Guerrero Memorial with Conan and, and Rey Mysterio. we got a lot of big things coming up, so do not miss out. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And coming up on Friday, you guys like my paranormal shows, my supernatural shows. How about Urban Legends with Josh Zeman? Josh is the director behind the tremendous Netflix documentary, Killer Legends. You can go watch that on Netflix now in preparation for this episode. It looks at four urban legends and the true crimes that might have inspired them, whether they're legit or not. There's one in there that blew my mind. It's not real. We're covering a bunch of urban legends with Josh, like razors and poison and Halloween candy. Remember that one? The crime and urban legend that inspired the second season of American Horror Story Asylum. 
uh, the film Cropsy. So many creepy stories and crimes and how they grew into urban legends. Some legit, some complete BS. Josh Seaman is going to take care of it as we go behind Urban Legends Exposed this Friday. You're not going to want to miss it. So thanks to, again to all of you. Thanks again to Big Vinny Paul, Big Brother Vin. And uh, we're going to miss them. But we're not going to miss you because we're going to see you on Friday. And we'll, uh, in the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. And a big, yeah, boy. Get your pull. One, two, barbecue.